friends, and welcome to the Story Forge podcast, where making things matters. We're talking to people who inspire us, who are making things, products, art, music, businesses, and careers that they know matter to the world. I'm Lyle Smith, your host. I'm a writer, a storyteller, a marketing professional, but more important to you, I'm interested in finding and recording the stories of these people who fascinate me with the things they're doing to make the world a better, happier, more satisfying place for all of us, and seeing what I can learn from them. Give them a listen. I know they'll help you figure it out. And today we're talking to Seth Hickerson, Dr. Seth Hickerson, cognitive fitness expert. He and his team took the time in the early days of COVID as an opportunity to refocus and rebrand his business, My Steady Mind. It's a training system designed to help people be resilient through tough times, stay calm under pressure, and be mindful in chaotic environments. We talk about his origins in a small Indiana town through his experience in two branches of the U.S. military, the Navy and the Air Force, his struggles through excess, and in the end, the development of My Steady Mind, how it works, and why it's important. I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you do too. Here's me with Seth Hergers. Good, I'm good. I'm, oh, let me get this. I got to hit the got it here. Let this recording happen. Got it. There okay. we go. All right, cool. So, uh, so, so where are you right now? Uh, I'm in Brownswell and Florida, Melbourne Beach, you know, or Melbourne. You saw them at my, uh, in one of the conference rooms here in Groundswell. So. Very good. Very good. I've seen, I've seen some of your posts recently. It looks like you're traveling quite a bit more than, than yeah. has been the case. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, things are, you know, kind of getting back open a little bit and, and, you know, people are starting to do more gathering and group stuff. And so what part of what we do are workshops and things like that. So I'm, a couple of organizations have been flying me around to come facilitate some training. So I love that. I love that aspect. There's nothing better than getting people together. So, yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's a real thing. And for you too, I mean, I mean, cause I know, um, my steady mind, you have, you have sort of the online, um, platform on one hand, mm-hmm. but then you do a lot of the, the face-to-face personal, uh, yeah. training, coaching, encouraging all that kind of stuff. So that's, you know, the face-to-face thing has got to be really important for at least, you know, half of your business anyway. Oh yeah. I mean, it, you know, one of the things we say at my steady mind is we're high tech and high touch, you know, and that's what I think we've, the, the people are, we've lost a lot of is that touch component, you know, and, and we just need that. And so with what we do, you know, there's an online aspect, the, the training course, and then it can be the touch components or either the, the coaching or the commenting that's done on the assignments or the actual in-person or face-to-face coaching that we do with individuals or groups. And so right. that's where the magic, that's where the magic really happens. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So how are, how are people reacting to that? Are, are, are people, are people weirded out by being in, in a big room together again, or is, or are they feel just embracing no, it and happy for it? Yeah, no, I mean, I think uh, I've, I've been to a handful of States. It's kind of state determined really depends on where you're at. You know, I mean, I was in North Carolina a week or so ago and no big issues there. And, you know, some States have just got some different policies and things, I guess, with, with masks, but for the majority, I mean, what I can see in being a kind of mindful guy is I think people just in general are really glad to be getting back together, you know, Um, and, and kind of in those rooms and feeling like there's a, you know, more normality to it all. So, right. um, So it's, it's all good from what I see. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how I've, I've felt too. I mean, we've been, you know, my wife and I, my wife's a, a acupuncturist and so she sees patients all the time and, so she and I have been vaccinated and oh, yeah. and my 12 year, we felt a lot better after my, my 12 year old son got vaccinated. Yeah. So it started, started to feel a little bit just safer across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I feel like we're as, as safe as we're going to be. Yeah. <laughs> so you get your booster. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We all got boosted, you know, yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's, um, uh, no, no issues that we had. Yeah. We were on the Pfizer, so I don't know if that, yeah. that much of a difference, but it's, I um, mean, it's just the thing that I see. I mean, again, from doing what I do with cognitive fitness and mental wellness is just the, the psychology of how it's affecting people, you know, being, right. you know, whether it's not a matter of stance on mandates or masks or whatever, just as a human, like feeling like, you know, I can kind of get back to 
normalcy. I can, I'm not as maybe as scared as I used to be. And so, um, it's good to see. So the basics of your business, cause you're, you, you've been, you've been growing this business through this time, right. Mm-hmm. Which has got to be all kinds of, uh, sort of, I don't know if it's, if it's like for me with the podcast, I started it during the, the pandemic because yeah. it gave me time. Right. And it was, that was really helpful to me. Uh, but you're growing a business that's, that's, you know, ideally, uh, generating revenue. And how has that been trying to grow this through, uh, through what's been going on the last year and a half, two years. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been great actually, you know, what we did, I had my first company boost mental toughness and leadership and, and that was bringing, you know, cognitive fitness and mental skills training to, you know, the target was originally high schools and colleges that would never have access. And then we pivoted and got that into, you know, healthcare and sales and finance and a bunch of other industries. And then when the pandemic hit, we as a business decided to, okay, hey, you know, we know we knew there was some stress and mental health issues before the pandemic. And we also knew that coming out of, during and coming out of it, it was going to be exponentially worse. And so we rebuilt, we used that time during the pandemic to kind of shut things down and rebuild everything with boost into kind of take it from like an MVP product up to a JV or to an Olympic level product. Right. And so that's what we did is we rebuilt everything, the learning management system, the courses, the technology, the approach, everything during the pandemic, anticipating to relaunch the new company, my steady mind in January of this last year. And so that's what we did. And, And I mean, honestly, like there couldn't be a better, business and a better business model at a better time in human history than what we're doing. (laughs) The world needs it and they understand it and they're searching for tools to help people, you know, reduce stress, improve performance and, and things that aren't treatment facing. And so it's just, you know, this year has been really good. Um, You know, and we targeted the primary markets that we're targeting are the two markets that got hit the hardest by the pandemic, healthcare and law enforcement. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. I forgot about the law, law enforcement yeah, target. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what we said. We said, all right, hey, when we relaunch, who do we want to work with? Right. We've been working with all kinds of industries and, and helping a lot of people, which is great. But we had to kind of narrow our focus. And that was the two industries we wanted to focus on because they're two the two most important to our society and the two that got hammered and are still getting hammered. You know, right. Um, well, yeah. clearly, yeah. I mean, it's 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 not because you know it, it ain't over till it's over. I guess they say right. So, right. Uh, right. The uh, the thing that I I find really uh, interesting, the thing I like about your business is is how sort of practical it is. Yeah. Not, you know, there's so many businesses out there, so many things that, that people do that are just it's all about selling something, selling an idea, selling products, yeah. whatever. But your right. thing is, it's your. I don't want to say it sells itself because that's a, it's an overused, uh, under true statement most of the time. But it's mm-hmm. um, it's it's the things you do are clearly practical and they have a practical right. impact for people. And yeah. I think I think when they start to do it, when they start to read about it or hear about it, uh, that becomes pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, does that does that help? Oh yeah. How does that, how does that help you? Well, I mean, that that's the, here's what I know to be true, right? I mean, what we do is training, you know, what a lot of other people do is talking, right? And awareness is great, but applications better. Right. And, and so our training is built on, you know, my background in sports psychology and, you know, being a high performance trainer. And so what's going on in the world right now, um, especially after a pandemic, I mean, we just went through a collective trauma, Right. The whole world, as I like to say, most people's minds are not very steady right now. You know, an unsteady mind is anxious. It's it's worried. It's fearful. It's it's exhausted. It's fatigued. Right. I mean, and so I mean, literally every thought we have requires energy. And so most people, that's what's going on. And so what those people are doing, um, people that are that understand it and they want to get better or they want to work on personal growth or whatever, what they're doing is. They're just in this streaming and consumption mindset. So they're buying self-help books. They're listening to podcasts. They're following influencers. They're, you know, they're just consuming stuff, hoping something sticks. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's an approach, but that's not the most effective approach. What works is training. So there's streaming and consuming, and then there's training. And so that's what we do at my steady mind is we say, Hey, like, you know, 
do this training, right? Learn how to get your mind right and steady. Then you'll be in a better position to know what podcasts you want or need, you know, what books to buy and how to use them. And so it's like just kind of that level set, you know, like, hey, just pause pause for a minute. Let us show you how to create, you know, new routines and, and techniques, you know, practical right. application to manage the daily stress, right? And it's a progressive right. acquisition. People think it's, it's going to be a quick fix, right? And I'm like, just like physical health training, you don't go in the gym once, do one bench press and walk out and you're fit for life. Right. It works, right? So right. cognitive fitness training is the same way. So yeah, we make it all about, and we make it fun. You know, it's fun. It's, it's you know, um, engaging. I, I can actually attest to that. I've, I've, I've yeah. been through some of your right. videos and some of your stuff and I know you. So yeah, yeah. I, I can attest to the fact that you, you do make it, it's, like I said, practical, but it's, it's you want to do it. You you you, right. see, you see results and you you enjoy it. Yeah. You see you see something that actually helps you, and you're like, yeah, I want to do more of that. Right. And right. It was funny. I heard a I heard a quote the other day, and I it's it apparently comes from 1600. Somebody famous in the 1600 said this. I can't remember who it was. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact quote, but it was something like, most people uh, get more value out of not out of learning something new, but out of being reminded of something that they know. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think, I think there's something about that, that, that maps to what you're doing. Cause it's like, yeah. you learn this stuff and then so much of, so much of it is going back and saying, okay, being able to kind of step out and say, okay, wait a second. What, what's that? Right. The, uh, there's one I saw on your uh, breathe and move on. Right. Oh yeah. Right there. Yeah. Bam-o. There it is. That's the one. Bam-o. So that's, you know, that's part of our design, right? Um, with, you know, I, I'm a doctorate in educational leadership, you know, and master's in sports psychology, but I understand what students need to learn, right? And so we, by making what we do fun and using acronyms like BAMO, that means breathe and move on, mm-hmm. you know, people remember that. Like I can, in a BAMO breath is one of the first techniques we teach. It's four seconds in through the nose, and we can do one here in a minute if you want, four seconds out through the mouth. Because what we're learning to do through cognitive fitness training is control the two things that control everything that most people have no awareness or control over, which is our thoughts and our breath. Mm-hmm. You know, most people, that mind like this is a person that doesn't have awareness of their thoughts, so they're just all over the place. Right. And they don't have any awareness of their breath, so they're, they're just usually shallow breathing and sympathetic. So that's that's exhausting. That's where mental exhaustion, decision fatigue burnout, all that stuff comes from. And so we're learning how to control our thoughts through metacognition and, and thought stopping activities. And we're learning how to control our breath so we can control our nervous system. And the BAMO breath is the short, it's like the, it's a, the eight seconds to de-stressing your life. It's the fastest biohack you can do to activate your parasympathetic nervous system. It's the fastest yeah. way to do it. Well, it's interesting because you talk about people's brains being uh, sort of frazzled, you know, and, and unsteady. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's um, uh, you notice it through um, you know a, a worldwide health crisis that's been going on for right. altogether too long, but um, that we've never experienced before. But, it, but the one thing I notice, I think, is that uh, or like I, I think. <laughs> a lot of people were like this before and we just didn't notice it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, this is not, it's not an emergent thing that you're doing. Right. It's a, right. this is a, this is just a, a good health for everybody all the time. Yeah. Right. You know, and what we do in our training too, kind of coming back to your original point is, you know, ours is, it's grounded in science. You know, this is not woo woo fluffy stuff. I mean, this is practical and it's, you know, and it's laid out the the nine modules, you know, the first two modules talk about the science of what we're doing, you know, learning about neuroplasticity, learning about STIA, the neurological process that forms neural pathways. And, And that's the thing that we do that's different. So people understand, okay, so why should I do affirmations? Why is gratitude? So we teach them like, Okay, you need to understand neurologically, anatomically, physiologically what's happening. Um, and then as people go through it, which, you know, a lot of people are starting to hear things that reaffirm things they've already been trying to do, or it just makes sense, right? It kind of brings it all in a nice little package that makes this complex thing simple. Right. And that's that's how people can learn it, right? I mean, that, that's what you want. We don't want to inundate you with all the fancy words. We just want to say, hey, here's why it's hard to be present <laughs> or grateful or confident, right. whatever. And here's what you do about it. Right. Yeah. It's real. It's really action oriented and it's, yeah. it's, it's cool. So, uh, you know, I, I tell people, cause I grew up 
you know, my dad was was in corporate the corporate world just most of his whole career. Um, my mom was a school teacher. I didn't really have an entrepreneurial influence in my life growing yeah. up. Uh, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't know that until I, I met my wife who has her own practice and her father has his own veterinary practices back in New Jersey. Where do you get your entrepreneurial drive? Where does that come from? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I said, I started to think, well, I don't have, but well, my dad did. My dad was a used car salesman and once he had a, his own Hickerson Motors car dealership. So I uh-huh. guess I did have some experience to <laughs> entrepreneurial, even though it was an unsuccessful venture, right. <laughs> but I do right. remember, well, that, you know, but I, <laughs> you know, so, but I mean, me, you know, I've just always been a, a, a person that wants to help people, right? I want to coach. I want to make people better, whether it's a Navy SEAL, a professional athlete, a stay at home mom. I've just always kind of been an educator. You know, my family are educators, my mom and a bunch of people. And, uh, but I think I didn't, the entrepreneurial, I can remember really the moment it happened um, when, if you know a little bit more about my background, you know, I was from Indiana, athlete, good athlete, three, three sport athlete in high school and had some scholarship opportunity, but basically drank myself out of it. You know, I didn't always have this skill set. And, uh, and so I didn't know how to manage emotions. And so I lost my, when I, so I graduated high school with a drinking problem, 2.0 GPA and no plan B. Right. And so I lost my identity, which is when what happens all the time, because we're not teaching people about identity and identity loss. And so, you know, that's a problem. Um, so I fell into kind of my deep, dark depression and downward spiral for about a year. And um, but then joined the Navy and then, you know, lived overseas in Japan and Spain, where I got exposed to things like meditation and mindfulness and contemplative practice. And so just was kind of doing these things for my own stress and anxiety by being over there, you know, it wasn't that I'm going to start a business on this in 10 years. I was just trying things out because I was still struggling, you know? Um, But the entrepreneurial thing, I came, I graduated and I wanted to go back to school and teach and coach. And I thought I was going to go teach health and physical education, you know, get a teaching license and just kind of do that. And my sophomore year at Indiana state, I took an elective class on sports psychology Right. And it was 20 something years ago. I'd never heard of that, you know, and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And I kind of knew how to train um, mentally coming from the military. You know, we train, you know, mentally, physically, technically all the time. But anyway, the first thing I learned when I got into sports psychology was what it was. It was performance based training to help athletes manage emotions on and off the field so that they could live in flow state and maximize their potential. My instantly I was like pissed. It's like, wait, what? What is this? <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah i mean literally it was like in the second day of class and i was and it's cool dr ginter who was that professor is still part of our my study mind team yeah so she's been a part she's been very influential in what we do and but yeah i remember sitting there in class and i was just like what wait what what why didn't why wasn't and then i found out why didn't anybody tell me about why didn't anybody teach me this why didn't maybe i could have actually gone on and and achieved my goals you know if i would have known how to because i had the athletic ability i had the talent i had the skill i didn't have the mindset right you know and and so that was when the the first kind of i would call it entrepreneurial thing happened where i was like okay hold on because what I found out was sports psychology is not for the 14-year-old Seth Hickersons in Bedford, Indiana. Sports psychology is for the elite athletes, you know, the the Michael Jordans. That's who sports psychology is for. And I was like, huh. And so I was just like, this is, I was so pissed off. So I pursued sports psychology. Right. And that's why I went on to graduate school. But my vision and my first entrepreneurial spirit was, man, I got to, I want to help the Seth Hickersons out there. So how can I get this so that's, skill? That's the light bulb, the light bulb moment where, yeah. you know, these, right. these, these kids who, who have no idea I, that this even exists. Right. That have a ton of potential that are just grad that are, you know, screwing it up, right. Through bad yeah. behavior or mismanage of emotions or, or whatever. Um, Cause everything's mindset, right. That's what they, you know, in sports, it's all about, you know, it's the mind, it's the mental game, but if you don't know what that is and you don't know how to practice and train it. Right. Well, that's, that's so that one, was, of my, one of my favorite lines from, from the movies is, uh, mm-hmm. well, it's, it's from the novel too. In the yeah. natural, the, the father says to Roy, he says, Roy, your talent, you've got a talent, but mm-hmm. talent's not enough. Mm-mm. And yeah. I'm like, wow, that just kind of, that's one that just kind of sticks with me. Oh yeah. Um, because it's, it's, I think it's really good advice. It's, it's right. it sounds a little harsh when you're not, tuned into it but it's like no that's exactly right because there's yeah. it's talent is talent's awesome but there's a yeah. lot of people who are talented I mean, I, 
that's I tell a lot of the athletes when I was coaching them, you know, a thousand pushups doesn't protect a fragile mind. Ooh. You know, yeah, and that, no, that's, that's true. true. There's a lot of big, fast, strong people pumping gas. You know, <laughs> that's true. That's and, true. And so the but that's the that's the difference though. I, you know, as a coach, and you know, there's only three ways you can train an athlete or a human. There's only three ways you can train them. You can train them uh physically. So that's lifting your weights and doing your running. That's physical training. Mm-hmm. You can train them technically, which is, you know, maybe the, the footwork or the glove work or the golf swing sports, or whatever. Sports specific skill, yeah. Yeah. And then the third way you can train them is mentally. Right. And that's the problem. Most people and coaches and stuff don't know how to train people mentally. They think the physical training is going to make them mentally tough. Right. You know? No, it doesn't. Well, you, know, you know, it's, it's you how know, do you, but yeah. you have to train mentally independently. Um and and that's what that's what we do, and that's what um, I wish I would have had. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that's that's the question of you know how do you perform when things are going poorly or when right. when, when yeah. chaos reigns? You talk. We talk about that. I've talked about yeah. that with you in the past. Is, is how chaos is the external things are are yeah. distracting you from what yeah. you achieve. Right. So there. I mean, there's a lot that we went. You went through a lot there. So there's a lot to unpack there. So give, let me let me go back just a bit and say. Mm-hmm. So you grew up in a small town in Indiana. Um. Uh, as you said, you were an athlete, uh, and your athletic career did not uh, pan out the way you had initially. No. Uh, you know, dreamt of. Uh, I was going pro. That was my, I was going to be pro and that was my plan. And that's all I knew. And that's all I cared about. You know, baseball was my best sport. So, so in the end you ended up in, in the Navy, um, where, you know, certainly their training is a big part of being in the military. Right. Um, how does that impact, you know, your, your spot where you, where you, you had a, you had a very clear idea of where you were going and that didn't work Mm -hmm. out. Now you go into the military where you're now in a, in a training mode for something they want you to do that maybe, maybe is not your initial thought. How, how does that transition work for you? Um, it was eye opening, you know, I mean, once you join the military and, you know, I love the military, I've been in two branches. I've also been in the air force. So I'm a big advocate of the military, but you know, the military, what it understands is, you know, Again, it understands there's three ways you can train a human. And that's that when I say training, I say it all the time because you know, as an ex-athlete, like a lot of people, they'll exercise, but they don't train, right? They'll work out, which is okay, but training's a different ballgame. No, it's true. And, and and so in the military, that's all we do is proactively train, proactive keyword. And we train mentally, physically, technically all the time, right? And so it just becomes a part of what you do. And then the other thing that was you know, in high school, I was, you know, egotistical, self-centered, all that stuff. Right. And I still can be, but in high school I was bad. Right. I mean, I was just kind of self-centered, egotistical, thought I hung the moon. I was the best athlete on the planet and all these schools that didn't want me or, you know, missing out just, that's what I was. And then what the military does, the first thing the military does, and they do this in boot camp, is they understand if I want this person to grow, I've got to make them vulnerable. So they just break you down, right? Completely break everybody down. They know boot camp knows I got 65 men that are coming to boot camp from all different walks of life, black guys, white guys, Hispanic guys, smart guys, dumb guys, right? Whatever the case, they just got these 65 guys that would never associate together in in society. You know, they probably never hang out in society or mix and mingle. Right. And I've got 10 weeks to take these guys and make them be willing to take a bullet for each other. Right. So how do I do that? You know, and so it just taught me how to be vulnerable, which is another thing that people struggle with in our society. You know, and we say in my steady mind, our our vulnerability is our credibility hmm. because that's what true strength is. And so, you know, and that's what they do. Boot camp, like day one or two, shave your head, take your clothes off, throw you in a shower, your butt to gut with the guy in front of you. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, so they break everybody down and then they build you all up collectively. Right. And so, you know, I learned that I learned, okay, I'm not the center of the universe. The world doesn't rotate around me. Right. I'm imperfect. I'm flawed. I'm vulnerable. Um, But I know how to, I know how to make myself get better. You know, it's it's interesting. I just, I just read a book, uh, Admiral McRaven uh, Mm -hmm. wrote a book called make your bet, which is is based on a, a commencement address he did. To yeah, the University of Texas, yeah. but it's it's basically it's built on ten 
things he learned in SEAL training yeah. uh, on how to be everything, how to, how to be. Well, uh, I mean, it's steady, you know, I mean, it's how to be what we say, you know, we have, I have SEALs on my staff, right. On my team that are coaches for us and we're veteran owned. And, you know, the, the thing when I'm working with, ultimately the mindset that we're teaching people to create and I don't know how PG or R rated this podcast is, but <laughs> is to train people to become un F with the You can, right? you can, you can say it out loud. We'll okay. So it. we'll believe it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So I mean, <laughs> training people to become so uh, unsteady mind, right. Is fuck with the And so we're training people to become unfuck with which means I can step out into any environment, right? And be steady, be cool, calm, and collected in chaos, whether that chaos is screaming kids in the back of my car or literally bullets. And so what you have to do is you have to master self-awareness and situational awareness. Right. And you have to do things like embracing the suck, like making your bed in the morning. I mean, it's all about what do you do, right? Right. Um, and, and that's what you're trying to be so that you can go into the world and have confidence not cockiness, confidence, right? And and be cool with whatever happens. So you you go from uh, you're you're in the navy now. You're 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 stationed in a variety of places around the world over time. Yep. Um, and you start. Did you just start exploring these these other yeah. concepts on your own, or was this so, how how were these introduced to you? Yeah, another kind of one of those aha moments. So my first duty station was. Uh, just outside Tokyo, Japan, Naval Air Facility at Sugi, Japan. And again, I'm 19, right? I'm in 19, living in Tokyo, small town, Southern Indiana guy. And, and I'm just being a sailor over there. I mean, I'm still partying and I'm still doing all kinds of crazy stuff, but I'm working and I'm training and I'm doing my military stuff. But um, by, so in the military, you have to, um, you know, you want, I wanted to come back to the States and take 30 days of leave. And so to accumulate 30 days of leave, you get two and a half month, two and a half days of a month. And so basically I had to be in Tokyo for a year before I could come home. Right. And so I was there for a year and he's 13, 14 million people in Tokyo. Right. <clears throat> and um, 30,000 in my small hometown of Bedford, Indiana. So, but anyway, kind of talking about, I wasn't over there to learn mindfulness or any of that stuff. I was just over there to do my thing, but lived there for a year. And then I remember when I came home, I was in back home and I was like, you know, 10 days into the trip back home. And I just noticed how like agitated and irritated everybody was in the States in this little hometown. I mean, everybody's just like on edge and pissed. And, and I was remembering back in Tokyo with 14 million, it was very peaceful and serene. And like, I was like, wait, I wanted to get back to Japan. I was like, why is everybody here? I just feel like we're all just, so it was the first time I kind of had like our country where I was in and lived and breathed every day in another country that's been around for thousands of years that practices things like right. meditation and mindfulness to manage emotions. And it's a part of the fabric of their culture, right? They're just steady over there, steadier. Right. Yeah. And then I come over here and it's just this shit show. Right? <laughs> and, and so then I went back to Japan cause I was like ready to get back. I was like, man, everybody here is just like irritated. And these are my friends, right. Um, grocery store, wherever I went, people just were always on edge. And so, I went back after that. And then that's when I started kind of saying, okay, Hey, what, what is this Zen life all about? Like, what does right. this mean? You know? And I started learning about Buddhism and meditation and mindfulness and breathing techniques and massage and temples. And I just started trying it out. Right. And yeah. And, and, it, and it was, it started helping me with my own problems, <laughs> right? my own anger and, and anxiety. And, and so, you know, and then oh, I went to Spain, you know, so then I got that, European flavor of, you know, siestas and go slow and, you know, like don't have structure on everything. And right. so I just had this worldly experience. And every time I'd come back to the States, I would notice that like, we do a lot of things great. And I love this country, but when it comes to emotions, we're not good. Yeah. Well, we don't, we don't seem to like quiet very much. No. Yeah. <laughs> right. we, we don't, we, you know, we stillness. Yeah. You go tell an American to just go sit still for two minutes they're going to have a panic attack. Right. Right. You know? I mean, well, ironically, that's, that's one of the things, cause I never thought twice about acupuncture. I never thought it was a big deal. Yeah. Never, never, right. never, you get it. Right. never, never looked at it, whatever. Yeah. And I met Heather and, and, you know, she started treating me with acupuncture for, you know, a variety of different things, but bad knee, bad Achilles tendonitis, whatever. Right. But what happened was I'd go in, she'd, she'd put the needles, she'd set the needles and I'd lay down and I, Part of part of an acupuncture appointment is basically resting there for 
35 minutes oh, yeah, or 30 right. minutes or whatever. And yeah, you um, can't move around when you got needles in you. No, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to move when you have needles sticking out of your face. Yeah. But um, but it's it's it, it, it is I've never quite had such a peaceful experience is is mm-hmm. that time of like okay it's like no matter what happens when i go in for my acupuncture appointment i have to be quiet and still yeah. during that right. time Basically, and i yeah. you know and either you think about things or you or you or you don't think of, you actively don't think about things or whatever mm-hmm. and i you know I, i'll tend to fall asleep in my appointments i wonder it's like like the asian you talk about people who who have this as part of their uh their makeup part of the way they live it's 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 really a discipline right yeah yeah and i think i think a lot of people i i run into might say you know well here in america we have we have freedom you can't tell me what to do mm-hmm. but on the other hand you have you know discipline i don't think discipline is the enemy of freedom i think it's just yeah. something we should maybe change our mind right. about a little bit right right yeah i mean it's that's what it takes. And it's hard and it takes practice and it takes, you know, people, that's the other thing with Americans, you know, and again, I love this country, but it's just funny how we perceive and expect, you know, and so Americans are like, you know, Hey Seth, I tried to meditate for three minutes. Why am I not the Dalai Lama? You know, I'm like, you know, we put no patience. We, you know, they're like, I want to be fixed now. I want all my problems to go away now, you know? And I'm like, it doesn't work that way. And if there's people out there selling you that it does, you know, 10 extra life in a weekend. Not the bullshit. It's bullshit. It doesn't work. There's only one way to do it. Right. You know, and it takes practice. But the cool thing about training your brain and like your bicep, you know, I always tell people, if, my, if I'm out of shape, there's a couple of things, right? I always, I always bring it back to physical training and mental training, because if, for example, if I'm out of shape physically, I can see it, right? I can look in the mirror and I can see that I'm not in shape. You know, I can feel it. I feel lazy. I feel sluggish. I feel heavy. I, you know, I physically I can see it. But if I wanted to get in shape, right, can't go read a book about it. No. I can't watch somebody lifting weights. I can't talk to somebody about it. I got to get my ass up and go to the gym and lift. And it's going to suck. I'm going to make all kinds of excuses to not do it because I know it's going to suck. Right. And I'm going to go in and I'm going to do it and it's going to suck and it's not going to feel good. And I'm going to be pissed. Why am I doing this? It's so stupid. Right. But I and I, I leave. I didn't walk out of the gym and now I'm fit. I go home and then I try to come back the next day and I OK, I do it again and it sucks and it still sucks. And it may suck for a month or six or eight weeks until I start to feel or notice or see some changes. Right. Mm-hmm. Then I start, then I start making excuses to go to the gym instead of excuses not to, you got to hit that point, right. To where now I'm looking forward to it. And then I start to see and, and notice physical transformation. Well, that's, that's where it becomes part of who you are and part of what right. you do every day. And that's right. it's a life skill. I, I had a, a coach growing up. I was a, a runner and, and mm-hmm. my, my coach growing up is now the head track and field and cross country coach at the university of Colorado. He has a tremendous. Oh yeah. We've talked about him. Success and whatever. But I had one time a guy called me up. He was trying to do a profile of him for, for this magazine. And he asked me if I talked to him and I said, well, let me, let me ask, (laughs) let me ask if it's okay. So I called up, uh, Mark Wetmore is his name. So I called Mark up and, or emailed him and and asked this, Hey, this guy's asking for an interview. Uh, you know, I'd love to tell your story because I've, you know, I lived it and right. I loved it and it's made a big impact on me, but I don't want to do it without your okay. And he said, no, no, talk to him, tell him to whatever you want to do. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So I talked to the guy and they had, um, there was this thing in sort of the distance running world around Mark that was, that was going around. They called it the Wetmore factor because he was getting so much success out of his athletes. And a lot of times it was athletes who were not the big star athletes coming into college. They were kind of the next step down and they improve with him, which is something that doesn't always happen in college athletics. Sure. Um, so they started, they, there must be a secret. There must be something he does that nobody else knows. Yeah, and all this, right. so what's the secret? What's the, the well, this was it. And I, and the guy, and I said, he, he, he asked me, he said, I really want to talk about that. I really want to ask about the Whitmore factor and the secret and all that kind of stuff. And I said, you know, I'm happy to talk about it, but you're going to be disappointed uh, in my answer. And he said, why? And I said, well, you know, there is no secret. The secret, the secret is, you know, show up, show up on time, do the work, do the, do the workouts we, we talked about, make sure the workouts are designed for you. Um, 
you know, show up, do the work and then show up on race day on time. And that's, and that's yeah. basically it. It's like, you just, there's no way around it. Right. And um, if you do it right, you start, you start to like it or you start to need it or you start, right. to, it just becomes part of, part of everything you're yeah. trying to do. And that makes it easier. Right. Uh, but you know, there's no easy, he, he used to, he used to say it was funny. There are no beaten paths to the heights of Mount Olympus. Right. Uh, which I love. I don't know where it, I asked him where it came from one time. He said, I some poem somewhere. I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah. But right. I love this phrase because it's, it's, it just, it illustrates exactly. Yeah. There's no shortcuts, you know, you, no. just, you know, you do the work, you do the work right. or you don't. And right. I mean, that's, that's, that's great, but that's not enough. And right. You know. The secret I tell people all the time, and you'll learn this in the military, like the secret, the secret, right. To anything is routine. Routines get results, you know, and the problem is most people have bad routines and they're getting bad results, right? So you need to start a few. And the cool thing I was getting at with brain training, unlike bicep training, is when you're training cognitively, you're talking five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day. You know, your brain responds. People just, the difference is I can see my physical body. I can't see my brain. So people don't know how deconditioned their mind is. And they can't see, you know, it, they just, you feel it, you notice it, but it takes a little time, but it doesn't take as long a time, you know, in the military, that's what we learn. There's routines, get results. There's two ways to do things the right way, or again, that's your options. Right. And, and you, so that's what you got to help people understand because there is like what we do at my steady mind, the nine module training course is a shortcut, right? That's it's a shortcut, right. But right. It, you know, you have to put in the work. Well, yeah, there's no way around it. Yeah, yours is that's a, that's a method to achieve right. something of right. value to to a person's life, and that's great. Yeah. But you gotta you gotta do it. You know, you gotta yeah. show up. Yeah, one of uh, one of my favorite one of my favorite quotes is you know if you want life to be hard, do the easy things. If you want life to be easy, do the hard things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of true. That's it's real true. I mean, that's what people want. They want the easy way. They want the shortcut. They want the that just has never worked, and it's never going to work. Period. That's not a guess. That's not an assumption. That's fact. Yeah. No, it's true. And, it, yeah, and so not everybody's going to do it. You know. I mean, that's kind of, yeah. Right. No, it's true. So speaking of routines, um, mm -hmm. you were how how did you go? You were in the military uh, for quite a while. Uh -huh. uh, you you talked about you know still having your old habits in the military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then eventually you, you came out of the military and started something else. Um, Went straight to rehab. <laughs> how did, I was gonna say, how did yeah, you yeah. make that transition? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was part of my training, right? I mean, that's what people think. They're like, you know, Oh, it must be so easy. And I'm like, look, I, you know, I've, I've been to rehab twice. I've lost both my parents. I've lost a kid. I've, I've been through a divorce, right? Like this is all, it doesn't just happen, right? You go through stuff, but you either let it define you or you, you overcome it, you know? And that's with me. I've first, I mean, I've just been fortunately able to bounce back over some of the most challenging things a human can go through, you know, five, two different branches of the military, you name it. Um, but it didn't just happen. I had to do something. And so I knew I, another one of my favorite sayings is, you know, your biggest strength is knowing your weakness and alcohol was always my weakness right. because it was before, again, I knew this stuff and everything we're doing and teaching and training is, is on emotions. Emotions drive every human action. So the neurological process that forms neural pathways, stimulus creates thought Thought creates emotion. Emotion is literally energy in motion, emotion, and that drives action. And so my doctorate in educational leadership, what I know is by design, you know, our school systems don't teach anything about emotional intelligence or mindfulness or how to manage emotions. So if you can't manage an emotion, the only thing you can do is suppress it. Right. So alcohol was my suppressor. Cram it way down that, there. Right. That, that was my only <laughs> tool. Bury it down here, drink it away, whatever. Yeah. So when I got out of the military, you know, I knew, I mean, I was drinking like 30 beers a day, you know, just and could function. But I knew it wasn't healthy. I knew it wasn't good. And I knew I couldn't stop on my own. So I went to rehab, did a 30-day uh, inpatient treatment. And then it got that taken care of. And then once I got that taken care of, it opened my eyes to now go back to college and be, you know, I kind of came out of that fog and was more alert. And now I was able to pursue, you know, college and, and just life got a lot easier for me. Right. When I, you know, right. Um, so that was you, one of the, you first. just, 
how did how did you do that? How did you hang it up? Because you got out of you did rehab, but yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I got out of rehab and and I did you know went to some of the meetings and did some mm-hmm. of the group stuff that that you know you learn in rehab. And I tried a lot of that out. Yeah, um, it didn't really resonate with me at that age. I was twenty five, you know, mm-hmm. and like you know just couldn't really get into that scene, you know, um, right. that time. And, uh, and I'm, I'm a very competitive person with myself and I've always been good at like, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And so, and I didn't go to rehab to quit drinking forever. You know, I, I didn't have, it wasn't like, Hey, I'm never going to drink again. I was just like, I just need a damn break. I got to get out of this. I got to get my, and so you need to reset, you need to, I need to reset. Yeah. I just got to get out of what I've been doing. I need to reset, but I didn't have, it wasn't, Oh, I'm never going to drink again. Right. So I just kind of got out and I did my thing and I was feeling good. And I was like, okay, I'm just not going to drink for a year. I go back to college, you know, and so I just kind of did that. And then it it wasn't that difficult, you know, and then I said, then two years and then three years, and then it just kind of started building upon itself. And, you know, and I was, I was just cruising along without any program or anything, but just kind of high on life and high on going to school and accomplishing goals and all that. And then, um, 10 years in, and I was married and my, uh, wife ex now at the time we lost a kid you know, and yeah. And so that kind of set me back and I didn't know how to handle that. So I went, fell off the wagon, so to speak. And then, you know, binged for about three or four years. Again, most people didn't even know it, you know, I mean, I was still performing at a high level, having high jobs, but, you know, was binging alcohol and Ambien, you know, at night. And um, so did another five day treatment, you know, I knew I needed, I I knew what I need to do to stop that. Right. Cause this is the thing that is my Achilles heel right. and, um, did a five day program. I, I knew I didn't need 30, but again, I just needed to be removed from my environment. Right. And did that. And that was around eight years ago, you know? So yeah, I mean, you have to do something. That's the thing that like, people want to get better. They want to, but it's not going to magically happen. Somebody's not coming to save you, you know? You have to do something. And that's what separates those that do from those that don't. Everybody wants it, right? Right. Right. How He's important gonna... uh how important are goals and objectives? Uh, yeah, their goal. I mean, they're this. Yeah, they're important. I mean, I we taught we teach some of that in our program. I mean, what I help people understand as a mindful guy and a mindset guy is you know, everybody has goals, things they want to accomplish, whether it's, I want to lose weight or I want to get a degree or I want to start a business. But if you keep everything in here, it's just a wish. It's a wish. And it doesn't mean you can't accomplish it. It just means it may take you a lot longer and you might go sideways and backwards. But if you can take what's in here and write it down, you know, why do I want to do it? You know, use a goal mapping sheet. Just that process of stopping, pausing and thinking about what your goal is and trying to figure out how you would make it happen. Yeah. And studies show that if you go through that process and write it down, whatever your goal was, let's say your goal was, I want to make a million dollars next year. If you write it down and think through how that would happen, you increase the probability of achieving that by 40%. Right. Just by right. doing the mental exercise, even if you wad the paper up and throw it away, you know, now. Absolutely. I, I, yeah. I completely a hundred percent agree with that. I, I deal with that with my clients a lot of the time too. Yeah. Is, is I ask, you know, what, what are you trying to achieve? Right. Right. And if you don't, if you don't know what you're trying to achieve, you know, I'm, oh, I'm going to lose weight. Oh, I'm going to yeah. get in better shape. There's yeah, yeah. no, there's nothing to hang your hat on. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, so you don't know what success is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now that success may shift and may change and may evolve over time. Uh, like you, I mean, uh, the boost above was one business and you, you right. shifted, you changed, you rebranded, you, you yeah. changed the target, made, made it better. Um, yeah. But you made really specific choices on mm-hmm. what success meant for those changes. Right. And then you went for it. And that's, and I think that's, that's really, um, yeah. important to any yeah. of that stuff. How hard was the rebrand to, to rethink those, to rethink what you were doing, uh, the target? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a process, a year long process going through it all. And, you know, my COO, Brian Brazda, who's fantastic, was really, you know, critical in the process, you know, because he's, you know, I think, you know, having, you know, leadership, people that have different strengths than you is, is important. And so, you know, within the business, like I'm the, I'm the vision guy, you know, and he's the integrator, you know, so I, and he was basically like, we just worked together for a year on, okay, hey, what do we want? What are we trying to accomplish? Let's break down everything. And I would just kind of get up and talk like I do. And he'd be like, all right, stop, 
go back. Don't say that, say this, you know, and help me help us boil it down into something that was digestible and easy for people to understand, you know, that's, that's um, great. Yeah. Cause you really need to be able to, to break those. I mean, cause great ideas are awesome, right. but they're often right. a dime a dozen. Yeah. How, how do you execute on that is another yeah, one. Right. That's the hard part. Yeah. Um, so it's good to have that second set of eyes that with the, with the different perspective to, mm-hmm. to change yeah. it and actually make it. Yep. And then it was also, you know, one of the key things that we did that is resonating well is, you know, we, we make complex things simple, you know, I mean, so our course is written at a age 16 uh, level, right? So 16 is, you know, the young, we've got people 14 doing it. You know, I've got 16 year olds and I've got personnel from NASA doing it, you know, so it's all kinds of people, but it's, we made it again, because in the world right now, there's all this stuff out there with mindfulness, emotional intelligence, it's just very like ambiguous or vague. And it's all just talking about how important it is, but there's nothing that's really like, here's how you do it. So that's what we did. And so each module has what we call a star in it, something they always remember. Right. Right. So that's critical for learning. So, you know, you go through a module and if you forget 90%, but if you remember the star like BAMO or neuroplasticity or time traveling, then you've learned something that you can apply. Yeah. That's, that's how you change people. See, that's another thing I really like about about what you've created here because it's it's not you know because when you try and describe it to somebody um, mm-hmm. without it can come yeah. off oh well you're sort of a it's coaching it's it's yeah. business coaching it's performance right. coaching it's blah 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 yeah. Yeah. but it's that comes off as people hear that as oh consulting and it's, it's yeah you know, right. but it's not you're a really yeah. you have a really specific path that people follow yeah right uh, to to achieve results and it and 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 you can you know yeah. you, you that's can what we say i mean that yeah it, it i mean we there's one formula <laughs> with one outcome. That's what everybody that goes through our, our training, you know, cognitive fitness is what we're doing. We're not really even using the words mindfulness or mental health training anymore because people just go wherever. But, you know, what we do is cognitive fitness training. So it's training right. your brain. And my study mind is like the gym. So we're going to show you all the equipment, the squat racks, the dumbbells, and you try it out. And then, you know, when you complete this, everybody that goes through it has one objective and that's to create your steady mind formula, which is your ECR plus your IER, your emotional control routine plus your IER, your intermittent energy renewal. Right. And so you go through this training to create your ECR, which is three components. That's your little morning mental workout. So that might be prayer, meditation, and a gratitude journal, or it might be box breathing, you know, 10 push-ups and a, a visualization technique or whatever. So you, each person creates their own, emotional control routine, which is the mental workout they do in the morning to get their mind steady, their energy, right. You know, before I just jump into the day. Well, it's a training, it's a training. It's a training. Yeah. It's a training routine. Right. And then when I go into the day and I start to get unsteady, I deploy what we call an IER intermittent energy renewal. So that might be a breathing technique or a mantra or a visualization to get you back on steady. And that's how you practically do it. Right. And the more you do that, the more consistent you are, the more automated the whole thing becomes and the right. steadier you just live. You just well, exist. That's, that's the hard part is those, again, back to the, the idea of, of reminding yourself of things mm-hmm. is is when you get into those sketchy times when, when the brain's kind of frazzled and, and out yeah, there. Because it will, right. You, you, you have to be able to remind yourself that, oh, that's where I am and I need to do this to get out of it or get back right. to steady state. Right. So, yeah. So you've, you've built something here. You've really built something. You've created something really, I think, kind of unique and interesting. Um, yeah. it's, it's really designed for people who are, you know, maybe high performing, who want to be even more yeah. high performing and really kind right. of deal with those. It's right. not, it's not like, you know, it's not designed for digging people out of holes, although no, no, it's valuable is, for those people too, I have to right, imagine. Right. I mean, this training, like I say, I mean, this training is really for, you know, kind of the top 20%. You know, I mean, people that are this isn't for somebody that can't get off the couch. You know, I mean, there's other things for that. This is for people that are working on improvement, working on growth, have goals, want to get better. But they know there's something that's still capping their potential. Right. Right. They know they need to do the work. Right. And they and so that that what this training allows people to do, the thing that holds people back from being an optimum performer in whatever they're in is whether that's personally or professionally is subconscious self-sabotaging behavior. Right. And we all have it. We all have it. And so, you know, you may be doing good 
but you want to do great. And you're like, why can I not? What do I, you know, how do I get over that? And it's all mindset stuff, right? Like I said, you can go to the gym, you can do all this other stuff and it may take you here, but this is what takes you up here. Yeah, that's where you want and, to be. And, right. And so that's what this does is it provides you with everything you need to do it. Not talking about it, to do it. Right, right. So you built this thing that didn't mm-hmm. exist before. Mm-hmm. Um, how satisfying is that to you? Man, it's awesome. I mean, I wish I tell people all the time, especially our coaches and our staff, I mean, especially where we are as a society right now with everybody struggling. But I mean, I just every day, you know, we've got about we've got about 6000 people go through our training this year. So it's a good, good amount. You know, wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we've got universities, we've got law enforcement organizations. And so it's been a good first year. But the coolest thing is every day, literally every day, I get emails, I get texts, I get Facebook messages from people that are just like, Oh my God, like Bamo saved my day today. Or, you know, I just want to let you know, my wife and I have rekindled. I mean, so it's just, it's helping people. Right. And that's what I always believe, you know, make your mess, your message. And that's what I'm doing. Right. That was, that was actually my next question. I was going to say, how important is it to you um, that you're making an impact? It's awesome. I mean, it's in a veteran too. It's a mission. This is a movement. You know, this isn't just a little wellness course we're doing. This is, you know, and all of our coaches and all of our team are passionate about it. And, um, it's just, you know, it's helping people and people need help right now. And that's what we like to do. So, all right. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation as always. Yeah. Same here, man. I appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Thanks so much. If you find yourself enjoying the Story Forge podcast and embracing the idea of making things matter, give us a review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever it is you listen to these things. It helps others find the show and hopefully enjoy it as much as you do. All recording, editing, interviewing, scheduling, and executive producing tasks are handled by yours truly, Lyle Smith of NimbleSmith Content Marketing Agency. This podcast would not be possible without the sincerely excellent help of our friend and associate producer, Anthony Sergi, who produces a number of other podcasts, including the wonderful A Guest in the House about all things hip-hop. Music for the program is from the Jody Nardone Trio, Lights Will Guide You Home album. If you like the work we're doing, please share the StoryForge link far and wide and tell all your friends about us. And you can always send us questions or suggestions to our email at cheers at nimblesmith.com. That's spelled N-Y-M-B-L-E-S-M-I-T-H.com. Or support us on our new Patreon site. You can learn more at patreon.com slash makingthingsmatters. Or just... Shop our store on the website at thestoryforge.com. That's the-story-forge.com. And click the shop link at the top of the page. Thank you for listening.